0: Thank you for joining the worship services of Shoto, Brady, and Dutton United Methodist Churches. I'm Pastor Julie King, and I'm so grateful for digital technology that allows you to join us from wherever you are in the world. You can join us every week by clicking the links on our Facebook at facebook.com shotoumc Shoto UMC or on our website at umshoto.net. If you like what we are doing and would like to financially support us in ministry, you can find more contact information on our website, and again, that's umshoto.net. We're so grateful that you are joining us. This week, our scripture reading is the Ten Commandments, according to the book of Exodus. This comes from chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god amen this week if you were here the last couple of weeks you are probably aware that we're starting a new sermon series but because it is labor day weekend I don't want to get too deep into it, also because we're going to have a guest preacher next week, and Seth's going to be doing his own thing. So we're going to do more of an introduction this week to the Ten Commandments and what we're going to be talking about, and then we'll really dive into it in a couple of weeks. I want to introduce all of you to the book that I'm basing this sermon series off of. It is written by Reverend Adam Hamilton. I'm sure a lot of you have heard me talk about him. Adam Hamilton is the senior pastor of the largest United Methodist Church in the world. It is a mega church that originated in Leewood, Kansas. It started out very, very small as almost a home church. I believe their first meeting was actually in a funeral home chapel. And then it eventually moved on. They started meeting in an elementary school and then got a building. They now have multiple campuses and over 25,000 members. They have several different associate pastors. One of them is actually, you've all heard me talk about my friend, Bill, who was an associate pastor in my church in Colby and a huge influence and part of my own call story. He actually just began there as one of their associate pastors and grew up in that church. So Adam Hamilton and that church has been a big part of my adult life especially. I've done several of his studies and I just love the way that he teaches through these books. One of the things I really appreciate about him is that he doesn't just sell his own theology or his own point of view. For almost all of his books, he travels TO THE PLACE THAT THEY TAKE PLACE. HE REALLY RESEARCHES NOT JUST THE SCRIPTURE AND THE DIFFERENT THEOLOGIES OF WHAT IT IS HE'S GOING TO TALK ABOUT, BUT HE ALSO GOES TO THE ACTUAL PLACE THAT THE EVENTS ARE TAKING PLACE. SUCH IS THE CASE WITH THIS BOOK, WORDS OF LIFE, WHICH IS HIS STORY ABOUT JESUS AND THE PROMISE OF THE TEN COMMANDMENTS TODAY. Before we get started, just by a show of hands, and you kind of have an advantage because you just had the scripture read to you. So backtrack about five, ten minutes ago, how many of you can recite all of the Ten Commandments from memory in order? Anyone? <laughs> kind of, sort of. Xander, might, he can raise his hand, but I can guarantee you he could not do it prior to the service in Brady this morning, huh? But he got quizzed on the way home and he did good. So (laughs) that's your challenge for later on to see if you can. The 10 commandments are extremely important to us, but they're not something that is commonly memorized in our churches or in our lives today. If you were to backtrack several years ago MOST PEOPLE COULD RECITE ALL OF THE TEN COMMANDMENTS. IT WAS A BIG PART OF THEIR PERSONAL LIFE, THEIR CHURCH LIFE. THEY WERE TAUGHT IN SCHOOLS. AS THE COLLEGES INITIALLY BEGAN SPREADING OVER THE UNITED STATES, THERE'S A LOT OF HISTORY TO THAT AND WHY RELIGION WAS A PART OF IT. BUT THE TEN COMMANDMENTS WERE TAUGHT. NOWADAYS, YOU MIGHT LEARN THE TEN COMMANDMENTS DURING CONFIRMATION AND YOU'RE PROBABLY GOING TO HAVE TO RECITE THEM FOR YOUR PASTOR SO THAT YOU CAN BE CONFIRMED IN THE CHURCH. BUT A COUPLE YEARS LATER, YOU'VE COMPLETELY FORGOT THEM. AND YOU MIGHT BE ABLE TO SIT THERE AND TALK AMONGST YOURSELVES AND THINK, WELL, I THINK THERE'S SOMETHING ABOUT NOT MURDERING AND NO OTHER GODS, BUT PUTTING THEM IN ORDER IS DIFFICULT FOR US. WE OFTEN BEGIN TO THINK THAT THE TEN COMMANDMENTS ARE REALLY JUST A PIECE OF ANCIENT HISTORY And yes, while they're commandments, they don't necessarily apply completely to our lives today. They're things that we know about and we recognize that they're in the Bible, but especially for us as Protestants, a lot of times we have this mindset that there's the Old Testament, and then along comes Jesus and we're saved from our sins, and then there's life after that. And we usually live in this life of the New Testament where there's a lot of grace And the Old Testament's important, but it's just history. Adam Hamilton takes a very different approach on that. He says that these are much more than just ancient writings. And I love this study. I'm very excited for the next few weeks because I think that all of us will be able to see the ways that God spoke, not only to Moses and the people of Israel at that time, But he spoke through Jesus, and Jesus referenced the Ten Commandments, and he used them in his own teachings, and they are still very relevant to us today. So that we can understand a little bit of how Adam Hamilton's journey in writing this book began, I want to read you a little bit about what he talks about in the introduction. He says that it was two o'clock in the morning. It was pitch dark. The sky was full. Of stars and they began their hike up the barren mountain at 7700 feet it was not the tallest mountain that he had ever hiked but this particular hike was much different because it was dark there was only the occasional flashlight from one of the leaders on the trail that helped to guide them Hundreds of people make this hike every single year to the summit, and most of them do it in the darkness because they want to be up there as the sun rises to take all of it in. There are people from all over the world, Christians, Jews, Muslims, people of other faith, people of no faith. They come to this mountain, and they hike three hours up, what is believed to be the holiest mountain in the world. Now, how do we know that it's the mountain? Well, we don't. And of course, there are scholars that argue against it. But generally speaking, from about the year of the third century AD, most people agree that this particular mountain is Mount Sinai. The mountain that God spoke to Moses, the mountain where God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Adam Hamilton says that as he ascended the mountain in the darkness, he imagined 80-year-old Moses making this hike so many centuries ago. On this mountain, just to kind of give us a little background and history of why this mountain is so very very important this is the mountain as i said that god spoke to moses in the burning bush where god appeared in the burning bush and he called moses this is the mountain that moses said hey i am not capable of doing what you're asking me to do lord i speak with a stutter and they're not going to understand me and i am not called to be a leader but god says yes you can i am going to guide you through it i am going to show you the way You will be able to do this. You are called to lead my people. And God did that. I hope that we all remember the stories of all of the plagues in Egypt and the very dramatic ways that God freed the Israelite people from slavery. After they were freed from slavery, it was at the base of Mount Sinai where they set up camp. This was about three months now. So fast track from the time that they set up camp after They were delivered from slavery, and they're setting up down there. About three months later, this is where our story today begins taking place, and God calls Moses up this mountain again. So Moses makes what is approximately a three-hour hike up to the top of the mountain. And what God tells him when he gets up there is God says, Hey, Moses, I'm going to do something really important I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to speak from the top of this mountain, but it's not going to be today. I'm going to appear to you as a cloud, a huge cloud, and the people are going to be able to hear my voice because if they don't hear my voice, then they might not trust you as their leader. And so I'm going to make sure that they can hear me. So you need to go back down the mountain again. I'm not quite ready for this. So make that hike back down the mountain and go tell the Israelites that they have to stay down there. THAT I'M GOING TO APPEAR TO THEM, AND THEY ARE GOING TO HEAR ME. SPEND THE NEXT COUPLE OF DAYS AND MAKE THEM VERY HOLY DAYS. TELL THE PEOPLE TO WASH THEIR CLOTHES AND BE PREPARED. SO THAT'S WHAT THEY DID. MOSES WENT BACK DOWN THE MOUNTAIN, AND THEY GOT PREPARED. THEY SPENT TWO VERY HOLY DAYS. AND ON THE THIRD DAY, AS PROMISED, THEY AWOKE AND THERE WAS THUNDER AND THERE WAS LIGHTNING. THERE WAS THIS VERY LOW, THICK CLOUD. EXODUS TELLS US THAT THERE WAS EVEN THE SOUND OF A HORN BLOWING. And Moses was called back up the mountain again. So he did. He hiked three hours up to the top of this 7,700-foot mountain. And when he got up there, the Lord told him, Oh, hold on, not yet. It's coming, but not yet. I need you to go back down because I need you to tell the Israelites that they're not allowed up top here. And I want you to bring your brother Aaron along with you. So Moses does. He hikes back down the mountain. He tells them that they cannot come to the top, but that Aaron needs to come along. And then they make the three-hour hike back up to the top. Finally, when they get up there, Moses is up at the top at the summit of Mount Sinai. And Aaron, we don't know exactly where he's at, but we know he's somewhere nearby waiting. And the voice of the Lord is heard very loud speaking these words. The words are that that Terry read for our scripture reading today. They are, of course, the Ten Commandments that we hear. And I'm not going to read all of them again this morning because I think that you can read through them. We just heard them and we're going to spend a lot of time over them over the next couple of months. But these words were first spoken. There's give or take about 300 to 315 words that were spoken. DEPENDING ON WHICH TRANSLATION THAT YOU USE. AND JUST AS A SIDE NOTE, I WANT TO POINT OUT THAT THE EXACT ORDER OF THE WORDS AND THE WAYS THAT THE COMMANDMENTS WERE GIVEN AND THE WAYS THAT THEY ARE BELIEVED TO BE IN ORDER TODAY DIFFERS VERY MUCH AMONG DIFFERENT RELIGIONS. SO THE JEWISH FAITH, IF YOU WERE TO WALK INTO ONE OF THEIR synagogues AND YOU WERE TO FIND THE TEN COMMANDMENTS, THEY WOULD BE IN A DIFFERENT ORDER THAN THE WAY WE PRACTICE THEM. The catholic church and the lutheran church traditionally have their own order of the way that the ten commandments are as well and then mainline protestant denominations that's where the united methodist church falls we tend to follow the eastern orthodox version and that's how we know them today our version comes directly from exodus that's why we're using that version versus deuteronomy today but we will be taking a very deep look at all of them over the next few weeks Something that I want us to think about, though, today as we're introducing ourselves to the Ten Commandments is what happened after those words were spoken. A lot of times, and there's several different art forms, if you were to go on Google and Google the Ten Commandments and Moses, you would get different images and paintings that would come up. A lot of times, people have this image in their head that God just kind of, bolted it down with lightning and scribed them on these tablets. But that's not how it happened. The Bible tells us that first God spoke the words and the Israelites heard them. Then God writes them on two different tablets. Traditionally, it's believed that of the two tablets, the first four commandments were on one tablet. And that's because those first four commandments are the ones that describe your relationship, your individual relationship with God. And then the remaining six commandments that are believed to be on the other tablet because those six commandments describe your relationship with other people. So that's kind of a good way for us to separate them. Regardless of the order that we read the commandments in, regardless of which tablet they were on, I hope that what we take away over the next few weeks is that these are so much more than just an ancient list of do's and don'ts. They are very much a part of our life today. and They are very much something that are very personal to each one of us. So since we all were able to say this morning that we cannot recite the Ten Commandments, And I'm telling you that this is going to be pretty important over the next few weeks. My hope is that you will start a practice now. Over the next couple of months, this is just kind of a personal challenge for you to begin learning the 10 Commandments. Write them down, put them on your mirror in your bathroom or on your desk at work, put them on your phone as your home screen, however you need to do it so that you can begin remembering the 10 Commandments And then over the next several weeks, we will take a deep look at what each of them mean. Now, as I said, um, Xander was able to learn all the Ten Commandments in this morning's worship service. And so I have a little cheat for all of you. And hopefully this will be something that helps all of you to remember the Ten Commandments. And you'll probably forget about it next week, but we'll keep doing them. And hopefully this will be a way that you can remember the Ten Commandments. THIS IS A WAY YOU CAN REMEMBER THEM JUST USING YOUR TEN FINGERS. SO THE FIRST IS YOU MAKE A NUMBER ONE. THE FIRST COMMANDMENT IS THAT YOU SHOULD HAVE NO OTHER GODS BEFORE ME. THERE'S ONE GOD, WE'RE POINTING TO HEAVEN. EASY WAY TO REMEMBER THE FIRST COMMANDMENT. THE SECOND COMMANDMENT IS THAT YOU SHOULD NOT BOW DOWN TO FALSE IDOLS. SO IF WE HAVE TWO, WE CAN JUST REMEMBER ONE BOWING DOWN HERE. YOU SHOULD NOT HAVE OTHER GODS BEFORE ME. YOU SHOULD NOT BOW DOWN TO FALSE IDOLS. The third commandment is that you should not use the Lord's name in vain. So to remember that one, you can have your three fingers and just simply put them over your mouth. To remember that there are things that we should not be spewing out of our mouth. Of course, one of them being using the Lord's name in a way that is inappropriate. Xander asked me what using it in vain means. And it's simply using it as an expression, using it as a cuss word, using it out of context. The LORD OUR GOD IS A NAME AND THAT IS HOW WE SHOULD USE IT AS A NAME TO ACKNOWLEDGE GOD, NOT AGAINST HIM. THE FOURTH COMMANDMENT IS TO REMEMBER THE SABBATH AND KEEP IT HOLY. SO THIS ONE'S A FUN ONE. YOU CAN HAVE YOUR FINGER AND THUMB ON BOTH HANDS, OF COURSE, FOURTH COMMANDMENT. AND HOW MANY OF YOU REMEMBER THE THING FROM WHEN YOU WERE A KID? HERE'S THE CHURCH, HERE'S THE STEEPLE. YOU CAN USE YOUR FINGERS AND MAKE A CHURCH. REMEMBER THE SABBATH AND KEEP IT HOLY. The fifth commandment is to honor our father and mumber, our father and mother goodness, I can't talk now. With our one hand, if we take our hand, we can salute and remember the honor. to honor your father and mother. Number six: if we make two guns, what is number six? You shouldn't kill. So we're making two guns with our six fingers here. You should not kill. The seventh. IS THAT YOU SHOULD NOT COMMIT ADULTERY. SO IF WE HOLD UP OUR NUMBER SEVEN, WE CAN USE THIS HAND TO MAKE A CAKE AND PUT OUR bride AND GROOM ON TOP HERE. REMEMBER, YOU SHOULD NOT COMMIT ADULTERY. FOR NUMBER EIGHT, WE'LL USE OUR FOUR FINGERS ON EACH HAND HERE. NUMBER EIGHT IS THAT YOU SHOULD NOT STEAL. SO YOU CAN MAKE A WALLET WITH ONE HAND AND USE YOUR OTHER HAND TO BE DIPPING IN AND STEALING MONEY OR WHATEVER IS IN THAT WALLET OUT OF THERE. You should not still. Number nine is that you should bear not. You should not bear false witness. That means you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't tell anything except for the truth. In order to do that, you can take your four fingers here, act like you're placing them on a Bible, and putting your other hand up like you're going to be testifying in court. Of course, we should not lie when we are under oath, and that's a good reminder of our nine is that you should not lie. And number 10 with all 10 fingers is that you should not envy, you should not be jealous of what other people have. So if you use your 10 fingers and you put them together and make binoculars, you can think of it as looking out to see here what all of your neighbors have that you want. And we should not do that. So that is a fun way to remember that. I learned that actually when I was a child, I think I was in junior high and it was in youth group at the time. And it was a teacher from the school that came to youth group and taught us that. She didn't go to our church, but she was a very fun teacher and she was our English teacher and literature teacher. And she had a good way of making it stick. And so all of you get to learn that wonderful lesson today that she taught me many years ago. And it is a good way for us to remember. So now your challenge is to go home after church and to see if you can remember all of them. Xander really did, I was very impressed with him. So I was like, wow, you paid attention in church. Good job. (laughs) As we go forward today though, and we begin to think about these 10 commandments. As I said, this week is really just an introduction to them. I hope that you will begin to think about the commandments, begin learning them, Begin to really think about what you already know about the commandments and what they might mean to your own life. We're going to obviously, hopefully, have a very different perspective week after week, but I think that each of us have an understanding of them now, and so we'll look forward to seeing how that changes over time here. Before we close, I would like to share with you the prayer that Adam Hamilton prayed when he was on top of Mount Sinai at the beginning of this journey. And I think it's a wonderful prayer for all of us to join in. So if you would please pray with me. Lord, help me not only to know your commandments, but to live them. Help me to have no other gods before you. Help me that I might not worship anyone or anything but you. Help me to hallow your name and not profane it. May I be still, listen, and rest with you on the Sabbath. Make me a blessing to my parents. Help me not to hate or hurt others. Help me to be faithful to my spouse in my thoughts, my words, and my deeds. Help me not to take what isn't mine or to speak falsely of others. And teach me to be content WITH WHAT I HAVE. IN OTHER WORDS, O LORD, HELP ME TO LOVE YOU WITH ALL OF MY HEART, SOUL, MIND, AND STRENGTH, AND TO LOVE MY NEIGHBOR AS I HAVE LOVED MYSELF. AS YOU INSCRIBE THE COMMANDMENTS ON THE STONE TABLETS, I PRAY THAT YOU MIGHT INSCRIBE YOUR COMMANDS ON MY HEART, AMEN. As we move forward in our service today, of course, we'll be celebrating Holy Communion. And I think that it's very fitting that we're starting the journey of the Ten Commandments and also beginning this series with communion as we join with people all throughout the world today who will be taking communion. So we will begin our time of communion and singing Let Us Break Bread Together. And if you would like to follow along in your hymnal, it's number 618. let on the night that Jesus gave himself up for us. Jesus took bread, he broke the bread, and then he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which has been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Christ took the cup. He gave thanks to you, then he gave it to his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant that has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice In union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all of the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever, amen. As we prepare to come forward to receive communion, I would ask that you come individually or just with your family and try to keep space in between each other as we come forward. Xander and I, of course, will both be wearing our masks and hopefully we'll be keeping everyone safe with the COVID cases that are going around. I also remind all of you that in the Methodist church, we believe that this is Christ's table. It is not our table. And we practice open communion, which means that Anyone, regardless of age or denomination or whether, where you are at on your walk of faith, everyone is invited to come forward and partake in the elements. So at this time, I do invite all of you to come to the table.